With it being a Bradtree living contract year, we figured today we would run through his history and his resume as a Calgary Flames general manager and the possibility of someone else taking over at the helm. And we all know who that will probably be. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Flames. As always, I'm Jess Belmosto, and it's Tuesday, so you know that means Nick Zeraris is joining us. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, and they are the official sponsor and sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Nick, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm just tired like everybody else. The sun was out yesterday for the first time in like two weeks. It was delightful. It's amazing how much just seeing the sun does for everybody's morale in the middle of winter. Oh, yeah. No, I was in Boston over the weekend and it was like 50, 55 degrees, sunshine. I was like, oh my God, this is this is the life. Now I know why all these rich and famous hockey players go to sun shiny places during this nine day break that's why you have things like these breaks in there for the poor guys who are stuck in some of these remote markets in the cold dead of winter you got guys from warm climates who go into the middle of nowhere it's really nice that everybody gets a solid couple days here for even the guys who have to go to the all-star game this Mm -hmm. weekend they at least most teams there's a couple games during the course of this week sprinkled in there for whatever reason but most teams are already on their all-star break and a little bit of a break which is very nice yeah absolutely and you know i i hope that daryl sutter is enjoying life on the farm as well and i you know i wonder what brad tree live i i really i don't know i don't know what he could possibly be doing right now other than preparing for like a trade deadline or something yeah, no, that's typically how a lot of these teams will take this week off is they'll have their in-department meetings, they'll have a, a, what's it called, an amateur scouting meeting, they'll have a pro scouting meeting, they'll have a injury update for guys who are hurt right now, if there's anybody who they're not sure about what their availability is going to be. That's the kind of stuff you're going to do during a week like this, to see where you're at and what you're going to do. Because the deadline's coming. Tomorrow's mm-hmm. the 1st of February. The deadline is March 3rd. The next couple of weeks, you had Horvat get traded yesterday, which kind of started starts the clock. Because last year, when the Flames traded for Tyler Toffoli, that kind of got the ball rolling for the rest of the league because that establishes a market price for this type of player. Now, everybody else who's inclined to go out there and get something, they have an idea of what it's going to cost, what teams are going to be able to get. The ball's rolling now. I, I do think you're going to see probably, I would think, Meyer... Meyer's going to be the big one to drop because after that, then you're going to a lower tier where maybe you could say Jacob Chikrin gets moved, someone of that ilk. But right now, Timo Meyer is the one I'm most interested in. Yeah, you know, I think that'll be an interesting one. Um, whoever gets him is a lucky duck. And I'm interested to see if the Flames and who the Flames bring in for sure. It's going to be uh, Brad Tree living in the kitchen cooking once again. And do you think that he's going to make a big splash? 
this is a fascinating question because it ties into our question today. If he's going to not be the GM after this season, is he inclined to make a big splash and say, well, the consequences don't matter. I'm not going to be here anyway, like the Magic Johnson meme. That's kind of what you saw with the Islanders trading for Bo Horvat. Lou Lamarillo's contract is up after the season, and he's 80 years old. There's a good chance the Islanders are just going to not renew his contract at the end of the season, and he's going to retire and that'll be it. And he won't have to deal with the Islanders not having a first-round pick again or not <laughs> having a prospect in Atu Ratu again. That's the thing. When you're a GM, that's why it's so important, and it's something we're going to talk about on today's show, that your GM and your coach, they have different priorities. The coach's job mm-hmm. is to win every single game any given night. The GM's job is to try and enable that without sacrificing too much from the future. Yeah, and I think that we've kind of had to watch some of the things, you know, slip and slide through the season with, you know, obviously starting with the off season last year and how he was able to navigate that. But then, of course, this year with calling up prospects and, uh, you know, I don't think really anyone had Walker Dewar on their radar in terms of the amount of time he would be getting and, you know, even though it's a couple games, he's still seeing significant time over these games and he's playing well, but is there a way that they can kind of push this roster to the next level with what's already in-house or, you know, is Tree Living really going to have to get his hands dirty? It's going to be an interesting next few weeks. This is one of the things I have on our rundown. A part of the GM's job is to optimize the lineup for the way they designed it. Yep. It's one thing to give Sutter all of these choices, whether we talk about Matthew Phillips, whether we talk about Peltier, we talk about Connor Dewar, Connor Mackey, Michael Stone. It's great you've given him all these choices, but if he doesn't use them in the way you're intending for Daryl to use them, you're not going to get the optimal results Mm -hmm. from the roster because you designed it to work in a specific way you probably had specific line combinations defensive pairs in mind when you assembled a roster and if the coach isn't doing that that defeats the purpose and you're not going to reach that higher goal so that's part of something we talked about last week on thursday when i was on was this is the time to figure it out between february the first week of february and the deadline you've got these in-house guys who might be the answer to your solution Trial and error. If not, okay, you got you know you have to go out and trade for somebody. If they do hit, if they do succeed in their roles, then you can trade for something smaller and fill in a smaller hole. Yeah, I mean, there's Part still of this time. That's interesting is there is a trial and error opportunity here. There is. There absolutely is. And I think that this it's such again, the flames are in a weird spot. Like between transitioning some of their guys up or maybe moving on from some of, you know, those players like um, like Brett Ritchie or Trevor Lewis, who I think his contract is either up this summer or next summer. But, you know, to allow those Walker doers and Adam Rizichka players to kind of start filtering in since they are your homegrown prospects here. Yeah, no, I, I was looking today, and um, Peltier is the first draft pick since, I think, 2018 to make their NHL debut. How awful is that? 
It's not necessarily awful because the Flames have traded draft picks or they haven't mm-hmm. had as many draft picks as some of these other teams. But in terms of just like your process, that it doesn't reflect great on your front office. Yeah, and I think that, you know, there is cr- warranted criticism there. And, you know, when people do talk about Sutter and they talk about it's more so Sutter because, you know, Tree Living does have he's been vocal about what his plan is. In terms of getting these younger guys in, um, I just completely lost my train of thought, but that's okay. It's warranted criticism. And, you know, general manager can only do so much. And I think that Tree Living would be in a guillotine if he told Sutter anything other than positive statements. Yeah, it's complicated. Because, again, like we were saying before... Tree Living's job is to try and assemble the best roster roster he possibly can with the situational Mm -hmm. factors he has in front of him. Daryl's job is to try and win the game any given night, and what Daryl thinks and what Brad thinks might not necessarily align with each other, and that's kind of where we've seen some of this friction throughout the course of the season, where Sutter has complained that, well, we play these teams, they have more talent than us, they're better assembled than us. And part of this, and this is something a, a few teams have kind of had to deal with this this year, I, I can speak authoritatively on the Rangers doing this, is you got to take away the toys from the coach. If they are insisting on using someone in a way they shouldn't be used, th- that's on the GM to say, okay, we're waving this guy. He's not on the team anymore. You don't get to use him. We're right. trying to put this roster together the best we can. That's like, that's the scene in Moneyball, where, where Brad Pitt goes in there and he's like, I don't want you playing Pena at first base. I need Hatterberg at first base. And the manager goes, well, Hatterberg can't play first base. Pena's a better first baseman. Well, we didn't build the roster for Pena to play first base, so it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, that's reducing a very complicated issue to, like, one scene in a, in a dramatized <laughs> movie. But for the purposes of this exercise, there's a few candidates you could talk about this in regards to the Flames and how they've been used. And Daryl insisting, well, this is how I feel about it. Stop telling me what to do. At some point, it does become the GM's responsibility to say, well, this guy doesn't fit what my plan was. I need to find a way to either trade them, waive them, etc. So I can see if the roster works the way I want it to. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that Tree Living has done a really good job as the Flames general manager. I think that he is a much better general manager than Daryl Sutter thought he was and his tenure with the Flames and him just, you know, kind of just quitting. But coming up next, we are going to run through his resume and especially in the more recent years. And there's a lot of success here. You know, just because it's not on the ice doesn't mean that it's not happening on paper. But first, we are going to talk about FanDuel. If you guys know anything about Nick and I, it is that we like to think we are sports gambling experts. So we are so excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they are the number one sports book in America. That is FanDuel. And if you are new to FanDuel, that is even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Right now, you can download FanDuel and you can bet on the Super Bowl with no sweat first bet. You'll get three, $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So I would say that is a pretty solid investment. Uh, you know, throw down like five bucks and 
I, I just watch what happens there. And the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NHL. How was your weekend for betting? Oh, uh, football-wise, bad. But my I, my friends got me roped in on one of the boosts that FanDuel had for the NBA, Ooh. where it was the Celtics to win and LeBron and Tatum to have 70 points combined. And we were sitting there sweating it out because the game went to overtime. Yeah. And we needed one more point from Tatum or LeBron going into the overtime. So we were just huddled around my friend's laptop, screaming at the laptop, <laughs> begging for one more basket, and that hit. But football-wise, we didn't do great yesterday. Uh, I had the Bengals. I had the 49ers. The 49ers are playing a quarterback with a torn elbow. And the Bengals just ran out of time at the end of that game where they didn't have enough possessions. But that's what next weekend's for. Exactly. Just keep it coming. And, you know, bet on some NHL stuff, too, with the All-Star game. I'm sure I'm sure there's some fun stuff there. But the more fun stuff here, right here, right now, is Brad Tree Living's 10, 10-ish years um running the flames front office you know that's a long time for a general manager to be in the same position in the same organization i think that he is i mean i would assume one of the longer tenured gms because you know obviously lou lamorello and Poyle first come to mind when we're talking you know time that so the way I thought of this in my head for today's episode was very simple. The performance review. You are mm-hmm. up for a new contract, Mr. Tree Living. What have you done for the team? And does it make sense? It's very straightforward. And I would argue, based on the market factors and the environmental factors, Brad has done a good job. I mean, you think about the players they've accumulated and how they've got them. When you are a team that is in a market with restrictions, with limitations, where it's going to be harder to sign free agents, where it's going to be hard to keep players once they reach unrestricted free agency, you have to do a good job of maximizing your value, and mm-hmm. Brad's done that. Whenever he's run into a situation where a player has uh, is about to become an unrestricted free agent or a restricted free agent and the contract situation become can become complicated, that's when he's capitalized. When he turned Dougie Hamilton into Elias Lindholm, things like that. When he turned Matthew Kachuk into Mackenzie Weger and Huberto, he has been able to do the best he can. And, of course, putting together a good roster doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the good results, but the goal for any executive for a team that's trying to win is to get as many cracks at it as possible. You need to make the playoffs more often than you don't. He's done that. He's made the playoffs five out of the eight seasons. This is his ninth full season in charge. He should make the playoffs this year, but there's no guarantee they make the playoffs. So mm-hmm. more often than not, they've made the playoffs. They made the second round. They've made it to the second round two of those five times they've made the playoffs. Okay, that's reasonable. That's something to work with. You look at the situations where they lost in the second round. You ran into the best player in the world on a Super Saiyan 
insane heater last year. You can live with that. And the other time was relatively early in their window of competitiveness when they were still kind of not sure what type of team they were going to be. They mm-hmm. had, I think that was the year Giordano won the Norris, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, something like that. It, it, but you get what I'm saying. Early on in their window, they have done, and we talked about this um, when we did the will they or won't they make the playoffs. Yeah. They assembled this roster with the mindset of this team, if everything breaks right for them, can make a deep playoff run. I still think that's true if everything breaks right for them. It's just they need a lot of things to go right for them because the team hasn't been as good as maybe we all thought it might be coming into the season. Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing here is watching what he has, you know, flipped for. You know, like you said, Dougie Hamilton has turned into... Lindholm and uh yeah Hamilton for Hannafin and Lindholm and the whole Adam Fox situation like that's you're welcome I get it it's fine but you know thank god Adam Fox's dad was a Rangers fan but you know you look at the uh Vladar acquisition and this that for a third round pick you got Dan Vladar a goalie who had seen two maybe NHL games and came up in a fantastic goalie pipeline, had some of the best goalie coaches to work with and some of the best to learn from as well, you know, with Tuka Rask and whatnot. And he wasn't, there wasn't room for him. There was a, you know, a jam and that's fine. You know, the flames got that. were able to take David Riddick, trade him to Toronto for that third round pick that they later flipped for Vladar. So to me, I you know, that that worked out pretty well because you didn't know what you were getting with Vladar. You didn't you didn't know he was, you know, one of those low risk, high reward situations. And that's a sign of a GM who's got a good pro scouting department because they were able to identify somebody in another organization at a position of need, which backup goalie was. And maybe you could argue Vladar is the long-term solution at goaltender because he's very young. Markstrom's on the older end for starting goalies. That, if you tapped into a long-term plan, succession plan in net for a third-round pick, that's really good management of your system. That's really good asset management. The third-round pick... Low hit rate on those picks once you get past the first round. Even first-round picks don't necessarily always fit. And the Flames have done a good job of recognizing, okay, where on the trade market can we find value that we wouldn't be able to get in free agency or elsewhere? They were able to trade for Tyler Toffoli and get him into a situation to maximize his traits. You think about some of the guys they've drafted and who have been here a while, guys like Backlund, who is the longest-tenured player on the team who's been a real cornerstone through two different cycles of team now, effectively. And that's really what where it comes down to. If you're not going to be able to draft those guys, and because the Flames have generally been middle of the pack as opposed to god-awful, they mm-hmm. haven't gotten a ton of those high-end guys for, by that means, you got to find them in other places. And the Flames have found those guys in the trade market. The core of this team is guys they've traded for or guys that they were able to get from unconventional means when you think about how they acquired them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that's, again, another really great point in hockey. You do get to, you know, get excited about the guys that, you know, you draft and you watch them develop through, you know, juniors or through college or whatever the case may be. And you watch them in the AHL and then you, you know, 
it's like, wow, we planted this little seed and it has become a big tree now. Like you get to watch it and it's exciting. But then at the same time, I was just talking about this with someone yesterday. That rush of excitement and adrenaline you get when you see that your team just traded for Tyler Toffoli. Like, that is when I knew this team was all in last year. They were making movements. It wasn't just kind of like, okay, like, we'll pick this, like, sixth, seventh defenseman. Like, it's okay. Oh, we'll grab this, you know, depth, depth forward, whatever. It's okay. It was enough of a name to excite you. And... The 2015 draft for the Flames, listen, I as a Bruins fan, the 2015 draft did not happen. I don't know who any of those players are aside from Jake DeBrus. That's fine. Never happened. But the Flames, I could talk about this for hours on end. You have Mon Giapani. You have Oliver Shillington. You have Rasmus Anderson. How exciting is that as an organization to have all of those players succeed for you in your organization that your general manager and scouting department obviously kudos to them went out and found and it's so impressive to me that those guys were able to like Rasmus Anderson when he you know was coming up and like early I, I would say early in his career but he's like 24 years old so like when I started covering him he was still like you could see flashes of the Rasmus Anderson that's current day Rasmus that's an all-star now yeah like how exciting is that you know and um you there's just so much excitement surrounding these players you know probably this week we're going to find out about what's going on with Shillington back in Sweden and if he's going to return or if they can make the move and put him on LTIR and accumulate some cap space for the deadline. I mean, honestly, at this point, take care of yourself, but give us a little little cushion. I That sounds very selfish, but again, take care of yourself first. And then you have Mangiapane who is, you know, kind of going... I call it a slump, but compared to last year, he has had a little bit of a decline, but he is still capable of scoring 30, 35 goals a season. I fully believe that. I would think so. I think in the right situation, you can do that. And and the thing I want to talk about in the last segment is getting the full value out of the guys once you have them, because it's one thing to accumulate these guys, but it's another thing to keep them in keep them here for an extended period of time and most of the contracts they've signed most of this team to are pretty good like they're getting above market value on most of these guys because they were able to get them on good numbers because of when they traded for them yeah absolutely like i look at lindholm and he's making less money than charlie coyle yeah who's like a third line center at this point and to me that's amazing because lindholm is a hundred point player so let's or I guess 40 gold score close to 100 points. Did he did he hit 100 last year? No, it was Johnny and uh, Matt right. were, were 100. And then Elias Lindholm was actually 90-something. Like yeah, 90. But either way, he is very capable of hitting these numbers. He's still young in his career. Um, again, next year, I wouldn't be surprised if you do see a, a, a dip, mainly because there's a baby involved now. He's going to be tired. There's these real-life factors, but... Outside of that, like, it has been so exciting to watch and just really 
not have to scream at your TV or Twitter whenever you see your general manager speak and open his mouth and say something like, we don't need to rebuild or just something that's just the exact opposite of what everyone's thinking. So, you know, we could always be Vancouver. There's always that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Yep. But coming up next, you know, we are going to have to talk about the politics of it all because that is what makes business go round. And as we know, the NHL is a business. But our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. And I started taking AG1 because I was tired of taking all these vitamins, all these multivitamins, when I could just have it all in a glass of water. When I got the package, I was very excited because you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, mineral, whole food-sourced superfoods, and probiotics, which obviously probiotics help your stomach, and that's everyone needs a little help with their stomach. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It is less expensive. It's about $3 a day, so it's less expensive than your cold brew habit, than your coffees. I paid three dollars the other day for a medium french fry and i it was almost four dollars and i thought i was gonna have a heart attack in the drive-thru but anyways athletic greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement regimen to recover it cost him nearly a hundred dollars a day Eggs are $7. I cannot afford $100 a day on supplements. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop of water in one scoop in a cup of water every day. That is it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. That is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. What do you think of Daryl Sutter, like kind of ruling the flames, like having this, like, I don't want to call it blackmail, but like he, no. He's got juice. He's got the ju- he's got the juice. He can make things happen because of the relationship he has with the owner of the team, and that's why this is a little bit more of an unconventional, non-traditional hockey situation. Because for a long time, that was the norm. The coach and the GM were the one and the same. They were the same job. It made sense back in the day when there were less teams and there was mm-hmm. less responsibility and there were less things to keep track of. But now it's really important that those are two separate jobs that lead, that have two separate voices and different decision-making process. Because if things are going really bad, the GM's not going to fire himself as the coach. Unless you get into a situation like with what happened with the Islanders, and I think it was ninety, it was nineteen ninety five or nineteen ninety six, where that and that was also a little bit different because a a new person had bought the team, and like there's conflicting reports whether Mike Milbury stepped down as the coach and became just the full time GM, or the owner was like you have to be the GM. So it's a little more complicated than that. That was the last person actually to do both at the same time until Daryl did it in I think two thousand nine was his last season of doing it for both in Calgary, mm-hmm. something like that. But it's really important that those are two separate people because they have different interests. I've said it more than once on this episode. The GM's job is to win over an extended period of time and be able to prioritize, okay, 
our team is good, but it's not Stanley Cup good. We shouldn't expend this many assets to make this team better because mm -hmm. it's not going to get us that much closer. And banking on, well, if this, 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 the more ifs you have in a sentence, the more unlikely it is to happen. If the goaltending can play at a 920 level, if the power play can score 20% of the time, if the penalty kill can kill 80, 85% of the time, the more ifs you add to your formula of how you're going to win the Stanley Cup, the more unlikely it is you're going to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those situations where you do have to look at it through the lens of what if, but at the same time, you don't need, you shouldn't be so heavily reliant on that. You should have the confidence in the roster that you've assembled. And it's not just about, okay, well, I know that last year's roster was significantly better than this year's, but you can still count on this roster to kill a good chunk of those penalties. So at least you have that in your corner. Yeah, and I think they did definitely have a rough go of it early in the season. That seven-game losing streak, I mean, that's kind of an outlier situation. It takes a lot to go wrong to win, lose seven games in a row as much as it takes a lot to go right to win seven games in a row. Mm -hmm. I think the Flames are a pretty good team. I think even if they add, they're probably at best the third best team in the West. And that's like if everything goes right and not just the Pacific. I mean, the entire Western Conference, they're maybe the third, fourth best team. You, you take that most years. You say we're the third or fourth best team in a conference. We get into that second round. We have a good chance in that round. And we go to the mm -hmm. conference final. Anything can happen. Most teams are going to sign up for that more often than not. If you All you got to do is get in. And once you get in, something happens. And if you have yeah. a good baseline, and it's not just like you're one of these teams that gets in because you got the super Herman goalie. The one that comes to mind was Nashville last year where Soros had the crazy stat statistical season, got in, and as soon as he got hurt, the the Preds didn't have a chance against Colorado. That was it. No, when your was... team is entirely contingent on one guy, then you're for then you probably aren't in a situation where you should. But as far as the Flames and this political situation go, and I I, I quoted it directly because Frank Cervelli had said it at one point. There's a different power dynamic than most organizations have because Daryl does have the owner's ear in a way not a lot of coaches do. Most people, most organizations, the coach talks to the GM, the GM talks to the president, then the president of hockey operations will go to the owner. Whereas the Flames, because the relationship that the owner has with Daryl from Daryl's previous stint in Calgary, it's a little bit different. He can just pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm thinking this, I'm thinking that. Yeah. And that's part of why we're having this discussion now is it's very unusual for a GM to get to this point. Usually, you would say he's leaving at the end of the year or he's extended. You wouldn't have it in a state of limbo like it is right now. Yeah, and you know, I think it's it's such a weird chain of command because there yes. there isn't one. There isn't a chain of command here. You know, when you go into your day job you're not walking into the ceo's office well you might be but nine times out of ten you're not you're reporting to your you know your department manager who reports to this person who then goes to their boss and then it just probably goes to your district manager it doesn't it never escalates above that because they don't care but with sutter being friends with the owner you have this weird like 
it's the way I'm picturing it right now is like when I text Nick and I'm on my five hour ride back home and I'm sending him random episode ideas. Maybe that's what Daryl Sutter does when he's, you know, getting up to milk the cows in the morning or whatever. He sends the owner a text and says, what do we think about this big six foot two, 300 or 210 pound winger that I won a championship with? when dinosaurs still roamed the earth like that is that is the vibe that i'm getting here and i i don't think that it's a i don't think it's a good dynamic i don't think it's number one healthy i don't think it's good for the players i don't think it's good for the prospects and i don't think it's good for whoever becomes general manager if it's not tree living I completely agree with you. Uh, this is one of those things where the workplaces themselves have deemed that system inefficient. If that system was still a viable method going forward, there would be other organizations using it. Sure, the coach should have a voice in choosing who is on the team. That's right. definitely part of it where the GM and the coach will sit down and think, well, do you think this guy's cutting it? Do you think we need something better? What do you think about this guy? Yeah, that's a normal part of this process. But the coach just directly saying, I want this guy, I'm going to go trade for this guy, that doesn't happen in today's NHL. It doesn't happen in any sport really anymore because no. it's not an efficient way to do business because there's too, there are just simply too many things to keep track of for one guy to have all of that responsibility. It's just not a good way to operate things. There are a couple teams where you kind of have that, but even in name, it's somebody else. Like Bill Belichick has final say over the roster for the I Patriots, was just going to say but that. But he is not the named GM. They do technically have a general manager yeah no and i was gonna say belichick might be sitting at his laptop while the draft is going on and doing his thing or his dog sitting there because he's out schmoozing with some alabama running back but there is like there's a, a system involved there it's not yeah. just belichick talking to his son matt patricia and uh, Robert Kraft like it's not that simple there's too many there has to be a lot of hands in the pot because there's a lot going into these jobs and that's that's okay so when there aren't enough hands like many hands make light work that's oh I completely that. agree with you think about it like this okay you want to make a trade first thing yeah. you got to do number one you go to your scouts. Who do we like? Okay, that's one department of people you got to talk to. Then you go to your cap guy. Can we make this fit? Do we have to do something else to make this fit? That's another step. If you need to take on more salary, you need to talk to your president so the president of the team can call the owner and say, we need more money. Can you front this to pay for this player? These are all steps in the ladder. And if that's one person, that's too much responsibility to do all of those things. Yeah. It's, it's just not a practical way to operate a team in 2023. If, there, if it still was viable, one of these power-hungry people would have done it by now. But uh, that's the thing here. If there was a way to make this work, some power-hungry lunatic would be doing this in a situation, and they would be running amok, where they would be doing everything in a, we're only worried about this year, we're only worried about this year, because I got to win. And nobody is doing anything like that in today's world, because it does doesn't work. It does not work in the year 2023. But no one's going to tell Daryl Sutter that because it's Daryl Sutter and he has a resume. Uh, sure, he hasn't won anything in like the last 10 years, but like he's still Daryl Sutter. It, that's where, and that's the hard part of this is 
if you have a power structure where it, there's no accountability because there's one person on the top of that leadership barrel, nobody feels empowered to be like, hey, man, you're not right about this. You're wrong. Because if he's the boss of every single department, you, that's the end of the line. You, you right. disagree with him and you piss him off. He can fire you. And that's it. And you got to go to somewhere else. And, well, if you got fired for being disrespectful to Daryl Sutter, we wouldn't want that guy in our organization. Daryl's an, Daryl's an original hockey guy. Daryl's been playing hockey since they played with four guys at a time instead of five. Come on now. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's such, I, I think the closest that Tree Living has ever gotten, at least publicly, <laughs> to, to saying anything negative about Sutter and probably even behind closed doors is when he said, you know, I want to see these young guys play. That That's it. There is no alluding to Daryl Sutter. There is no naming him. It's just, hey, I have a different vision and I want to see these young guys play. That's all I'm going to say. I would love to read Brad Tree Living's text to his friends and family about Daryl. That would be so fun. I want to know, like, I remember at one point in the summer, his daughter was like, Dad, like, I can't go to the rodeo because everyone knows who I am and no one likes you. But then once they traded Kachuk, she could go and, like, mingle with, <laughs> with the public of Calgary again. So I was like, I would love to be at their dinner table and just, you know, hear like classic dad like oh you know like what a day at work you know daryl did this i want it done this way i would love that and i would love to hear or just read his emails and texts like you said it's a funny thought experiment like everybody goes home to their family and, and complains about their job it's very funny to imagine the gm of an nhl team coming home and being like you would not believe what daryl did today <laughs> right you wouldn't believe the audacity that this man had today to come to me and say this. But that's like the other day I was thinking, I was like, there are some days where work goes by so slow. I wonder if that happens for these players. Like they have like a literal time clock dictating shifts and whatnot. Do you ever think they're just out there? Like this is like. I've been I, out here way too long. There's been at least a minute 15. It's yeah. like Vito in, in New Hampshire looking at his watch every 10 minutes. Exactly. It's got to be at least noon. It's got to be at least noon. 30 seconds? It's so bad. Like, I just want to know if some days they're like, this. Like I, I wanted to call out today. You don't get to call out. You're a professional athlete. What are you going to do? Hey, can you help me scratch me? Can, yeah. can we call someone up? I, you know, I'm just not feeling it today. Thanks. I have a tummy ache. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I, I drank too much last night. Yeah. Oh, I guess I, I guess I can't play on the power play today. <laughs> oh, man. You guys but... think I could leave work early? No. <laughs> I, we need all 18 no. of you guys. Yeah, you know, we have a six-school leave. You mind if I just, like, clock <laughs> out real quick? Like, I, I, I gotta go home. I got an early <laughs> game tomorrow. Uh... Oh, man. That would... I need to know. I need to find a professional athlete and pick their brain and off the record, of course. But I think it's not going to be immediate, but this power dynamic is going, it's go, it's going to be bad when it, when things start to crumble. And I love hockey succession. I love hockey succession. Yeah. A power vacuum. We're going back to the history, history books here. But, um, 
you know, everyone enjoy the bye week sort of thing we've got going on. The show's still here for you. Happy to crank through the dog days of winter. It's dark and gloomy. Actually, no, the sun is out today. I'll celebrate that. But uh, make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts. And Nick, where can everyone find your work? Um, my Twitter handle at Nick Sararis. I've got a link tree on my link tree on there. Everything else is on there. The other podcasts mm-hmm. I do, my TikTok where I've been making silly videos too. I, I, I do too much. I don't sleep. No, we know this. And that's why I think this is just the podcast for insomniacs. Um, or so I'm dubbing it. Uh, thank you everyone. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto. Come hang out with us in the comment section on YouTube. Uh, Be nice. And remember to share this episode with someone who also enjoys uh, just the chaos of hockey.